Okay, so uh, short sermon. You can mark your clocks. <laughs> we'll see how that works. Uh, so what I want to do, go ahead and pass out, guys. And I mean just drop over a pass out. Okay? So uh, it's going to take me just a sec to get used to the stadium effect here. Uh, but here's what we're doing, okay? I am, God has done the most amazing thing with these three sermons on baptism. I mean, it really is remarkable. It's, the truth is, if you look back for the last couple of years, there has been this steady thing that God has been doing where week by week, he is adding to, whether it's me preaching or somebody else, it's extraordinary, it doesn't matter. He's adding to what he's doing week by week by week in the most incredible way. This, these baptism sermons for me, particularly as I started, as I said, not being totally sure there was two and a half there and now discovering that there's months there. But I just have to tell you, just watch the way that he built one week to the next to the next. Here's what we did last week just to bring everybody to the same place. What we talked about was is that God wants to make us one with him in the same way that the Trinity is one meaning the Father and the Son, and the Son and the Father, and the Father and the Spirit, and the Spirit and the Father, and the Spirit and the Son, and the Son and the Spirit. Did I get that right? Okay. He wants to make us one. And what we did last week is we brought three guys up on the stage, and we tried to show the kind of oneness that we normally think of is three people being really close to each other and trying to just be, you know, like, like agree with each other and don't disagree. And, you know, that's what we think of as oneness. But really, we saw a much better image of what God means by oneness when we suddenly put up the Dugans, Mandy and Kyle, and then we saw that they had become one in their child, Graham. That this was a oneness that was very different than individuals being very close. This was a oneness where two had become inseparably one, where two actually looked different because of the oneness that they've entered into with one another. Now, we did that, and what I said was, and I, I think that this is just so important for us to grab a hold of, what, we, what I felt like God was trying to say to us was, when we look at ourselves in the mirror, what we see is ourselves with God in us as Christians, if we've accepted him. And that's how we see ourselves. And I don't know about you, but when I look at myself in the mirror, even with God in me, I see a lot of stuff I'm not so crazy about. And I think God wants us to see that, so I think that's an important thing to see. But just as important is to see this other thing where we don't look at ourselves as God being in us, but we look at ourselves as being in God. What's that image? I have to say, that was a challenge for me, and I think it's a life-changing challenge. To start seeing myself in this way so that I know my sin and my need for him. But that I also start looking at myself in the fullness of what he intended. The now that is true, even though it's not yet in my life. As we talked about, right? So, with that in mind, what happened after I got done with that, what I said in that sermon was, as I said, look, this is to the point that what will happen is, is that, and I, and I, I asked you to be good Bereans, go home and study it and see if I was right about this. Because, boy, you can get into heresy on this one so quick, it'll make your head swim. But here's the point. I said, I want you to think about what that means is that when Jesus ascended in flesh, still having flesh, he didn't drop his flesh in the grave and leave it there. He brought it back out, resurrected. And in flesh, he ascended to the Father. 
And that means that changed the Trinity. That changed what it looked like. And in fact, if you really get what he was trying to say to us and what I think I hopefully got across, he was saying, because we're in Christ, that means the nature of the Trinity has changed because of you. As Kyle and Mandy come together and there's a new one thing that comes out, as we come to be one with him, that changes how he looks. Again, I want to be really careful about that, but here's what happened after that sermon. I'm going to say it. I, I don't normally, I try to keep it anonymous, but Eric Rasmussen came up to me, and if you don't know Eric, do yourself a favor, okay? Today's a great day to do it, okay? But there he is, just a magnificent person. He came up and he said, he said, so when you started talking about that point, about us changing what God looks like, he said, the first thing I said to myself was impossible. This is, not po this is impossible. That's not true. It's impossible. And then he said, I started thinking about it, and I started pondering it, I started letting the scriptures you were using sink in, and I started saying, well, it's improbable. And then he said, the more I thought about it, and the more I let it sink in, and the more I let the Holy Spirit work on me, I started to say to myself, but with God, anything is possible. And then he said, all of a sudden, I had this moment of revelation where I went, this is incredible. Because look what God does. He never, this is the way he said it to me. When he said it to me, I'm telling you, I had one of those Star Wars moments in my brain where it just went, I went through the stars and I just expanded my understanding of God, just went bam like this. But what he said is he said, this is what God always does. God's always doing something that's so much more than what we know that it'll blow your mind. It's so perfect. It's so beautiful. It's so generous. It's so loving. You see it? Allowing us to change him, his image. And again, don't misunderstand what I say when I say that. But allowing us to have that kind of impact, this is what he wants. That oneness is affecting him like that. That's, that's just, again, I hope during the sermon it blew your mind. But when all of a sudden, the way that you said it, it made me go, when you said, God, this is the way God always does stuff. It's always better than what we think. It's always cooler. It's always richer. And when I heard that, I just went, oh, my God, I just fell in love with him, sitting right there listening to that. What expanded was I just went, oh, my God, God, you are amazing. This is incredible. So that right there, worth the price of admission, loved it and everything else. But now watch what happens. As God is building, as God is leading us, as God is discipling us, watch what happens next. I get an email on Monday morning from a person who doesn't know the Lord, but who watches all the sermons and takes them incredibly seriously. And when I said, be a good Berean and study the scriptures to see if they're true, he sent me an email saying, are these things you said yesterday true? And what he did, it was the coolest email. Because what it did was, is you know, if you're a math guy, you know propositions. And then you got to, each proposition has to be proof. It's also in logic too, but logic is really math at that level. Okay. And so what, what happens is, is that he went through and he said, is it true that the father is in the son? And he said, is that true? And then he listed a bunch of scriptures. And they said, is it true that the Son is in the Father? 
And then he listed a bunch of scripture. Is it true that Jesus is in the, or that the, Jesus is in the spirit? Scriptures. The spirit in Jesus. Scriptures. Is it true that the spirit is in the Father? Scriptures. Is it true that the Father is in the spirit? Scriptures. Now, come on. This guy doesn't even know the Lord. And, and one of the things that I was doing the whole time I'm reading this, I'm going, over half the scriptures that he's using are not ones I've preached on. Not ever, but not in this context. So I'm sitting here going, this is really cool. This guy is researching whether these propositions are true. And then he goes to the next level and he says, so if all of those things are true, which they are scripturally, then let's look at it and say, is it true that we're really in him? Are we really in the Father? And is the Father really in us? Are we really in the Son? And is the Son really in us? Are we really in the Spirit? And is the Spirit really in us? And again, Scripture, 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 Scripture. And he said, that's true too. Now watch. And, and now I want you to think about something. This sermon from the Lord comes by way of a person that doesn't think that he knows him yet. I want to phrase that very carefully because I keep thinking, I, literally my response to him after this email was, what do you mean you're not a Christian? <laughs> I don't know about that many Christians that could do as well with this as you did. But now listen to what he says. And this is, our, this, is a, this is a sermon that God, when I went out to pray and I said, what am I supposed to say today? He said that, this. Now watch. Now think about it. You guys that are math guys, you'll understand the wording here a little better and then I'll explain it for the rest of us poor folk. Okay? By further extension, now listen to what he does. He brings in a whole other scripture and a whole other idea. By further extension, arguing from love of God commandments to love neighbor commandments. See what he did? He brought in this idea that God says first commandment, greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like unto it, love one another as I've loved you. And that's the, anyway, you get the point. He says, by further extension, arguing from love God commandment to love neighbor's commandment, I think we'd have to note that being in the Holy Spirit results in those who are in the Holy Spirit being in all other believers. Being in all other believers. He's using math terms. So the set should be expanded to of who's one in one another. Me, Jesus, Holy Spirit, Father, and all other Christians. Now watch this. We, we talked about a concept of now, not yet. And what we said is, is I'm in the Father, and that is true right now. Absolutely, fully true. There is a not yetness of that truth, though, in that I'm not in heaven right now. In heaven, it'll be me in him and him in me and nothing but that, right? But before heaven, I am truly in him and he is truly in me for real. But there's also a not yet part of my life where I am walking in this body of death, making decisions that still aren't always godly. So there's a not yet aspect of it. And so he brought that up and he said, so there's another now, but not yet. And that is that I'm in every Christian and every Christian is in me. Now watch what he's saying here. Because this is so profound. He's saying what's true is that we are in each other. But we don't know it. What's true 
is that me being in you and you being in me, now watch this, changes what I look like. That's true. We can actually see it, can't we? I'm going to show you in just two seconds. But what he's saying is, it's true so much more than what we know that we live as if it wasn't. You see it? We don't live as one, do we? We don't. We live as people that really love each other. We're here on this great day and the sunshine and the nice cool breeze and everything just perfect and we love each other and we hug each other and, and we're all still individuals and we love each other and hug each other and we get closer because of times like this. This is awesome. This is what we should be doing. But I have this metaphor in my mind that is super important. Julie, start making your way up. I have this metaphor in my mind and it goes like this. It turns out it's not the largest organism on earth. I told Eric Lee this yesterday. Eric, I'm correcting myself because I researched it and made sure. And it, just a couple of years ago, they found something larger as a single organism. But up until just a couple of years ago, and I'm not using the one that they just discovered because it's, it's, just one sec, because it's moth. <laughs> it's actually a fungus. And I didn't think the metaphor of a fungus was nearly as good as the other metaphor. So I'm going to take the other metaphor, and it's an aspen grove. That's the largest organism on earth. In fact, the largest aspen grove in the world covers 6,000 acres in Utah. I thought there was an even larger one in Russia, and I still think there is. But anyway, 6,000 acres. One thing. Now, if you know aspen trees, I do. I come from that country. Every single aspen tree is totally unique and totally different. It's not like they look exactly alike, Right? It's not the Borg where you're being assimilated. Every person continues, every tree continues to be its own unique thing, its own individual thing. But when you get into Christ, you get connected with every single other aspen tree. In fact, aspen trees are just one big tree. And together, they look different than when they're alone, right? Let me just show you this. Julie, okay, now she got really friendly and went over to say hi to Carla. Of course you did, it's lovely. I just wanna show you something. See, the, 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 key that I'm, the key that I think the Lord's really wanting us to get into is, is that we look different when we become one. Right. We look different when we become one. Now, you guys have never known me without Julie. <laughs> that's what I was hoping for that's exactly right the truth is and this is true I look different even when I'm not with her I look different because of her I am a different thing in person because of her and so too she because of me because we are in one another it has changed who we are and we all understand that kind of oneness, right? Love you. That's all right. That's all right. I want us to, okay, so last week what we looked at was, is you, we see ourselves as us with God in us. But God's trying to get us to see us another way too, which is us in God. 
I just want you to ponder right now in the Lord. When we think of ourselves as part of the body of Christ, we think of ourselves here and we're somehow connected to everybody else. But really, when we look at ourselves, what we see is ourselves. See it? Here's what I think God's trying to do with us right now. I think he's saying, what do you look like because John's in me and I'm in John? What do we look like because each one of us is in? How does that change what we look like? Can you, I don't know about you, but when I do this, it makes me feel different. It makes me want to act differently. It makes me realize something about myself that is different and that's important for me to move into. You see it? Because it's now, but it's not yet. It's true now, but it's not yet. Now watch this, okay, just one more step. So I got all this in my head, and I'm asking the Lord what to say and what to do. And all of a sudden, he takes me back to Genesis. Now, God, in six days, created everything, right? And what did he say after every day that he created anything? What, what did he say after every single thing he created? Very good. It is good, right? But then he gets to man, and what does he say? The first time, it's not good. Why? Why is it not good? Because he's alone. Now look what God did when he was alone. Now watch what he did. He takes Adam and he doesn't create another, he doesn't form another lump of clay and breathe into a spirit of life and make those two. What he does is he takes the one Adam and he pulls out of that Adam something of what was the original Adam so that those, so that, that one thing became two. You see it? And what that means is, is that it's, we're always trying to get back to oneness. We've been pulled apart. God's heart is always to bring us back to a oneness, to find our way back to how the two were truly one, like he is. In fact, think about it some more. What did we do in the garden? He said, he gave us total free will. You may eat of every tree, but don't eat of that one. Because in the day that you do, you'll die. You'll be separated from me. So what do we do? We ate. <laughs> we got separated from him. And now what's been God, what has God been doing ever since? He's been trying to get us to realize that separation, recognize it and own it, own the not yet, own the thing that's the problem. But also to understand and to enter into, to choose. Not the tree this time, but God. Choose God so that he can make us one with him and one another. Because he's trying to utterly change us. And I'm telling you, we are not changed alone. Not, not to the fullness. We are changed because say yes and amen to his heart, which is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit made something new in oneness.
that cool? Does that bring another step of what it means to be one? Does that bring another step to what it means when we're just about to go baptize, which we're going to be doing in about five minutes? Does this bring another layer to you of understanding of this amazing thing that God is trying to do? Because remember, in the first week, what we talked about was is when you get baptized, don't think of it as just a symbol. Understand that what God's wanting you to do is to understand that there's something that is a now. Now watch this. Something that is a now, but that you don't get yet. So it's not really working itself out yet. Because you don't get that that's what God's trying to do. That's what God's already done. And he just wants you to live in it. So think about baptism in a whole other way. Remember what we talked about was receive what God has done. Is it true that God has already saved you? Of course it is. Is it true that you're already one in one another? Of course it is. But are you living in the truth of that? Are we living in the fullness of the now that he's trying to bring even now? Or are we living in the not yet parts of separation, of individual, of self? Because when you go get baptized, what he's trying to do is he's trying to say, I want you to receive what I have done to make you one with me, a new kind of oneness in what we understand, a oneness that changes you, changes what you look like. I want you to receive the oneness that it is for me to be in you and you to be in me. But he's also saying, I want you to receive the oneness that is to be had that we are in each other. Which is why I think it's absolutely perfect that we're sitting here right now. He wants to bring something that is true now into us now so that we can start living it truly and fully, richly and completely. He wants us to receive. So if it's the first time that you've ever been baptized, you're baptizing yourself into all this with recognition. But guess what? As we talked about a couple of weeks ago, if you want to be, if you want to renew your vow, so to speak, if you want to, if God has done something with you in these last three weeks and made you to understand something of oneness, that is not how you thought about it before. If there's something of a richness that you think would be important for you to own, what it looks like to be in God, what's that new image? what it looks like to be in one another. What's that image? By the way, I just want to say something. It cracked me up that for 18 years, our, our, the scripture verse for our church has been one with God and one another that the world might know. For 18 years, that has been the controlling verse, the controlling scripture for us. And it was two weeks ago that God showed me what that meant. <laughs> I just got to tell you, God... Like we, like we saw with Eric's comment, God has got so much more than what we know. So what I want to say is, is if you're in a place where you just want to renew these vows, you want to take this, you want to own this thing at another level, you want to receive what he has done in a way that's going to transform even more, then don't hesitate to come in. We've got a lot of people that are signed up. Don't worry about that. We will get through everybody. Okay, I love you very much. Lord, in Jesus' holy and precious name, I'm asking you that these baptisms that you're doing this year, I really think that you wanted them to become richer and fuller and deeper for all of us. Those who are observing them, those who are experiencing them. 
He wanted, them, he wanted this whole thing to become deeper and richer in us. And God, you have been good to your word. In Jesus' holy and precious name, God, we just ask you that you would fulfill the reason why you wanted this done now. Here, now. That people who are seeing things a new way are not even quite seeing them that way, but want to see it that way that they would come in that water to be baptized by you yet again, afresh, or for the first time, that they would be refreshed, renewed yet again in the fullness, in the glory, the incredible beauty, in this depth and richness that is truly you. So in Jesus' holy and precious name, as one people, with a new understanding of what that means, with each of us truly in one another, as one body, we say to you, Lord, take this time and make it yours. Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. And with that, you head to the beach, find your best spot you can find in order to be there, and then we got towels, and, and if, you're, if, you're, if you've already got instructions on it, don't watch a few people, you'll see what's happening, okay? So come on down.